Uh, right, county cricket is back with a vengeance uh, after all the winter of discontent with the Test team and Red Bull cricket in general. We are back at the county grounds. The counties are all in action. And uh, to talk about the first round of uh, matches from this weekend, I've got with me my good old friend, Mr. Richard Clark, a.k.a. The Grumbler. Richard, good to see you. Good to see you, Dan. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. So um, the one thing that England couldn't do over the winter, but seems to have been prevalent everywhere this weekend, or over the round of these first first round of matches, is runs. There are runs being scored everywhere. <laughs> do we put that down to uh, flat wickets and being batsman's paradises or bowler's nightmares? So have you got a view on the, uh, the overview on what you've seen? It did seem to be there were a lot of flat pitches around. Um, I went down to see a bit of the Essex game and it was extremely flat. Um, and, you know, Essex batted really well and uh, I, I saw Critchley bring up his uh, his 100. And um, obviously, uh, Cook and Brown have both got 100s the previous day. Um, but it did seem that there were a lot of uh, 400 plays 500 and 500 plays 400 kind of thing. And it made for s- some pointless... Saturday afternoon and Sunday games, which was uh, disappointing because we don't get a lot of championship cricket at the weekends. And there was a bit of buzz around the opening day. It did seem a little bit special. And look, runs. It, it's great seeing uh, your, your county have a lot of centurions. I think there were 20 centuries, I think I'm right in saying. Probably. But only one or two, one or two fifers. And most of them were made by Englishmen, I have to say. So there was something like 20 centuries. Most of them made by Englishmen, as I said. But, um, you know, I don't want to go down these rabbit holes early, but there is talk about, oh, you can't score runs in April and the pitch is <laughs> the problem, why the test team isn't very good and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, there was a... A lot of decent batsmen got decent amounts of runs. Only the two games with victories in the other ones were all draws. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was. There were still some stories. There was still some intrigue going on, but a lot of flat pitches. I thought. Let's uh, let's start with the, the Essex game that you uh, you caught a bit of. Surely, what we've seen in these games is what we've been um, hankering for all winter. That Red Bull cricket is about. Batting and batting time, patience, not the crash bang wallop of white ball cricket and big scores being ground out. And um, as you said, the two Essex openers both scored hundreds on uh, the weekend. Um, really, that's what it's all about, though, isn't it? Aren't we, t- aren't we telling people that this is the brand of red ball cricket? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Essex, Essex um, took advantage of the flat track, uh, posted... 514, um, Brown got 107, Cook exactly 100. And as I say, Critchley looked really good player. I've never seen a player with such hand speed, bat speed. So he's punching the ball and it's easily beating the infield. And sometimes what seems to be a little punch forward is going to the boundary for four, you know, even on what would be relatively stodgy outfields in, um, in April. But uh, yeah, there was... Um, a big score posted by Essex, but that puts Kent under pressure, right? That puts Kent under pressure. And we see someone like Ben Compton come through and make uh, a, a century that I don't think it's kind of saving his career, but he's with his third county now. He needs to establish himself. 
Um, Mayayi, I saw a bowl as well, and I, I and uh, I, I was interested to see him bat. Real talent. This guy's come over from uh, Zimbabwe, I think, and 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 got a scholarship to to a school uh, in Kent. Um, I saw him bowl, but he's batting number three. He got fifty eight. Now that's a fifty eight with pressure on. I know that I know it's a, a relatively benign pitch, but Kent had to get something like 360 to avoid the follow-on. If they had not avoided that follow-on, it would have been a really pressure-filled Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, people like Jordan Cox, Miyayi, uh, Ollie Robinson, they were all under a decent amount of pressure. And Cox came through with 129 and Miyayi came through with, with 58. And he's fresh out the packet. He's new. So I think he would have learned a lot um, with that, innings and you know okay it's not a great sporting contest in that sense but that doesn't mean there wasn't a learning curve for those players because they were under pressure because Essex opposes such a big score. As you say yeah a really impressive uh, debut for Critchley who I believe was awarded player of the match. Um, what about Essex's other new signing uh, Adam Rossington? Uh, a lot of raised eyebrows when that was announced recently. Um, you got any thoughts on that, or what were your views of actually seeing him in the flesh? Uh, yeah, um, my view is it's a little bit of an odd signing, but sometimes opportunities come along and you take them. And bear in mind his numbers. I looked at his numbers because I believe Adam Weeter is a very, very solid keeper, not perhaps outstanding, and perhaps for a side looking to win the title pretty much every season over the last five years. Is he a match winner? Has he done enough to win win games, to bring us over the line? I think there's only a couple of occasions where he's done that. You, the obvious comparison is someone like Ben Folkes, obviously, who you could argue Wheater and Folkes were... Uh, Not the Centurion over. this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, and you would argue that Ben Folkes is a potential match winner. He scores bigger runs and perhaps he's better with, better with the gloves. That's not to say Adam Wheater's a bad player. But you look at Wheater's stats and Rossington's Red Bull stats actually aren't as good. Has he been bought for white ball cricket? Very possibly. But the, but the issue in my mind is, OK, Rossington came in and played as a batsman only at number six. He came in at seven because Porter was a, a night watchman. But OK, he, therefore, he's taken the place of, well, Walter, potentially, or Cushy or Rymel. And potentially Butterman, I suppose, as well. Uh, potentially Butterman, but I think Butterman's a little bit younger, he's a little bit further back. But he, but he might take Butterman's place as the opener in the 2020s. And I thought, I thought Butterman did actually okay last year. So it's a balance always with when you're signing players, what do you do? You want to win trophies. Okay, but you want to elevate your younger players. I do think the signing of Rossington, if he's not going to play as a keeper, is another potential block to certainly Rymel and Cushy, um, because you know, we saw we saw Rishi Patel go a couple of years ago, and when Leicester signed him, they thought he's a potential England player. Now I'm not sure he's quite come through in the way in the way for the way he might have done, but it's a balance, you know, it's a balance. That they'll argue we've swooped to sign a good player in Rossington, experienced, know what he's doing, pugnacious, could be a winner, real proper head on his shoulders. 
is that going to get us over the line in the championship more than than Kushi or Rymel, for example? Um, OK, maybe. But I'd argue in the long run, Kushi and Ryan will have a bit more class about them. And there's a potential upside. The quick question is, will it come through? So I'm not critical of the signing necessarily, depending how, how it's going to be used. And we don't know. But one of the strengths of Essex cricket over the last 10 years has been great youth players coming through and being given a chance. And that signing might block, might block. So, you know, I just hope he delivers because what you don't want is him coming in the side, not really delivering and Kushi and Ryan will going in a few years' time. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, I talk about that quite a lot on the show, the, uh, the, the importance of the conveyor belt, which, which stretches back 20, 30 years possibly. Um, and, uh, yeah, you only got to go and look at the indoor school and they've got the honours board up there of uh, academy players that have progressed. And it's, uh, it's a very impressive-looking uh, list. Um, what about the crowd? Chelmsford always does well for Red Bull crowds. There's a, there's a hardy band of spectators that turn up. Um, and I gather that, uh, again, it was a decent crowd um, for, the, uh, for, for the game against Kent. Yeah, first day was, according to the reports, upwards of 1,200. Right. And okay. it was pretty arctic in terms of that wind blowing around. <laughs> and, when I, and when I went there, it was probably just below that, but it's, it was a cold, old day. <laughs> cold, and actually, the weather got a little bit better when the game got more boring, which is actually unfortunate. But, you know, we had the usual tweets of one man, the dog, one man, the dog. Well, it's, it's 1,200 people and possibly one dog, but I couldn't see the dog. Yes, it's, um, yeah, it was hard. And I did see pictures of people in their finest Arctic overcoats and woolen hats and gloves and all the rest of it. I think there was almost a competition going on on social media to prove who was the coldest there. Um, do we accept that Red Bull cricket is set for the demographic that it's got, that it's not now even trying to appeal to younger audiences? That, that, is there an argument to say that, that they, they feel that the younger audience are after white ball cricket um, and that's how it is? Well, there's two parts to what you said there. You said, is Red Bull cricket appealing or is it designed to appeal to, is it marketed to appeal to young people? And the second part is, will it ever possibly appeal to young people? And there's a lot talked about young people and their preferences in terms of content. And, you know, I do this for a living and, and people always think that um, attention spans are going down and you have to have a very, um, uh, short, snappy content in bite sizes, etc. What is certainly true is you have to catch the attention very early. But if you look at the millennial generation, you know, who are now sort of what what would that be, twenty five to forty kind of thing, to twenty five to four forty five, they grew up reading Harry Potter books of seven hundred and fifty words and watching, you know, the Marvel movies are like two and a half hours, three hours long now. When I was growing up, movies were ninety minutes. That was it. You didn't go over 90 minutes. Now the movies are much longer. And and you look at box sets, they will watch box sets. Um, binge them. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll, they'll binge watch box sets. So they're watching very long form content. But what it has to do is attract you. For, for me, the real problem that we're seeing is, um, you know, I'm about to interview uh, someone on my podcast for um, in netball. 
right? She's, she runs a netball team. She's the CEO of Scotland, Scotland Netball. And one of netball's appeals within, within, uh, to, to, to women, uh, at, at, both as a participation sport, but as a spectator sport, is the fact that, they've, that they'll have all played it at school. So they know the sport, right? So you know the rules. You've all played it. You, know, you might not have enjoyed it, but you all played it. So you've got some familiarity. What we're getting to now is with cricket, it's not been played in schools. That generation that's not played in schools that hasn't had experience of it is looking at this sport as an alien thing. Whereas my generation, everybody played it and knew the rules um, and knew the basics of it. And I, I think I've made the point before about NFL. You know, when we were growing up, NFL was on Channel 4 and it introduced us to the game. And so I've got an appreciation of the game and I can watch a game and understand it. It's changed a bit. The rules have changed a bit, but but it was heavily promoted. So we understood it. And that generationally has made a big difference. So, you know, it, it's, it's always a multifaceted answer. I think cricket, with its nuance, with its subtlety, can appeal to a younger generation. But... It's going to have to get back in schools, not come out of clubs in the same way. I know you, know, you, you guys are very big in the club scene, but it has to be in schools, has to be in schools. So it's got the, got the, the general coverage it, it, within the nation. Um, and certainly with the county championship, the county championship, in my opinion, can't just exist to feed the England team. It has to be more than that. It has to have some intrinsic value within itself and unless it has that the county championship is doomed in its in its uh in its current form with 18 counties i hate to say it but i think it is um but you know so there's a lot of moving parts to what you just said and i i, I was just going to i was just drawing out the distinctions there so. all right I'll, I'll give you i'll 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 bowl another one straight at you uh, on a link um <laughs> i saw quite a good idea put forward on uh, one of the cricket Facebook pages uh, amidst all the usual doom and I, I, I struggle with social media and cricket because it's just in, in just interminable moaning and negativity about anything and everything but hey I'm, some... you're talking to the grumbler well, what, so, what <laughs> I, I do what it says on the tin anyway go on sorry <laughs> but he said something which I'd actually thrown out on the show a few weeks ago um, as a potential or what if what about if counties have two sides how about if english cricket decrees and for the survival of 18 counties two so you have a, a white ball side you have a red ball side and maybe a handful of players that will straddle the pair but you if people want to play white ball cricket and we're seeing more and more players like um, Laurie Evans, Ravi Bapara, to name two, that have signed white ball only uh, contracts and run them as separate um, co you know, competitions all year round. So you could have Red Bull County Championship played across the highest summer months in great conditions, uh, hot summer days, and all the rest of it. And maybe T20s, uh, Royal London Cups played alongside, or um, it would obviously take some organising, but just sort of keeping it simple, what do you think of the idea of having separate white and ripple squads? Well, I think Ev, all the talent would gravitate towards the white ball side of it and the red ball side would probably end up part-time is what I think would happen there. Mm. Um, I, I get the logic of it um, and I think it's kind of happening anyway, as, as you said. 
I mean, for, for me, and I know the ECB have just denied this story about the 12 team Super League. There's a lot of leaks came out of that EC report. Yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. like they're flying kites to see what, uh, <laughs> what, 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 what might work. Anyway, uh, you know, I mean, if you go, to, you could argue that we're, we're going to, we, we might well end up there if it was a 12 team Super League and there was a stranded six, as I call them, mm. um, who would, you know, might end up part time, right? For me, you could, you could, I would do it the other way. I would have uh, a 12 team Super League, a stranded six, but supplement them with six other teams, which might be a national county, a minor county. It might be a couple of representative under 23 sides from like South Midlands North kind of things taken from the um, from the existing counties, which would level up that standard to a certain extent. And you could potentially play them in both in both competitions. You could potentially do away with the 16.4 and um, and and have your T20 league as a Super League. And that would take over the contract, the the TV contract kind of thing. I think that that would make a lot of sense because it's expanding the st- sport rather than contracting it. But for me, I'm pretty happy with with any innovation that is county based, right? Because I don't want us to do away with our culture, with our history, with our with our national nature of sport, rather than centering it on eight cities. Um, but um, you know, I think I think play, I I think there's logic in what you're saying, but the money that is in the white ball game is just going to create a massive gap. It's just going to create a massive gap. And, you know, you're going to have just like players save themselves for England duty in, in red ball terms because of county contracts and being forced that way. You would get players. I think you'll increasingly get players saving themselves for white ball duty because it might get them an IPL contract and miss out the odd, the, the odd red ball game. You know, they're professional athletes. There's only a relatively short window. I don't mind them maximising their revenue as long as they do it with value, with meaning, with honour, with some sort of dignity. Because, you know, in any walk of life, you can chase cash, but it makes you it it makes you a worse person. I'll go back to to a point you were making earlier on. Listen, I love Red Bull cricket. I was brought up on watching Test Match cricket and some of the magical moments that it brought. Uh, and I still contest that if I was to write down my 10 favourite cricket moments, I think at least 75% of them will be uh, Test Match related. But we're in a different age now. What would you do as a marketing man to... Because I, I think the success of the, or, or the good things, not the success, but the good things that came out of the 16.4 was, was how it was marketed. And that appealed to people and brought new people in. Forget the format or whatever else. Or the, just the way it was brought to people's attention worked. Um, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation, but how would you market Red Bull Cricket to try and bring people in? Like you've expanded on the school argument, but what else could be done? Well, I think... From a a social media perspective, I think actually the county champ Twitter feed is relatively good. I think I would like to see a blending of um, uh, what you could call traditional content or established content and fan content, because I forever see the um, 
people moaning about in the Times and the Telegraph, where's our reports? We used to have the reports, we yeah. used to have the grids, we don't have those anymore. Yeah. Well, it's not viable to do that. Uh, but also, I think if you look at, 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 at the content that's produced, I would love to hear, I listen to the BBC commentators, and they are fantastic. They are absolutely fantastic. I love what they do. But I would love to hear what my mother would call a council estate voice. Mm -hmm. So I would be trying to create content, bring content out, content creators into the game who are enthusiastic that speak to a little bit of a younger voice, even if that jars with the traditionalists to a certain extent. Um, uh, you know, I would, I would run a competition, for example, for, um, for young commentators to be part of, the, of that established BBC um, set of commentators. Because they're all great, but they're all the same type of people, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, th and it's infectious as well. Have you noticed that foreign commentators try to sort of do or, or, or a style that reflects the traditional English cricket commentator as well? Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, look, I've commentated uh, on football quite a bit, and you can't help but feel that you're doing a bit of an impression. Yeah. John Watson. You know, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to speak that way when, oh, what a great shot. Look, look, yeah, it, the, the, the intonations are, you, you end up doing a little bit of an impression. And, and the great commentators, in my opinion, don't. And there are some very, very good commentators on the, on the counter circuit. But, but the other thing that, that I would be looking for via social media, via whatever means, is to create community and create relationships. But community is the really important thing. You know, if I, you know, for example, if I was Essex, we had trophies last, uh, we've had trophies the last five years. Yeah. I, for all I know, I did this. For all I know, they did this. But I would, I would have taken those trophies round to every single club, especially the Colts team, with a player on a Friday night, find out when all the presentations are, get the players to present and get a picture with all the Colts with those trophies individually and make it, and make it work. You know, Stuff. If you bring, if you're going to bring in kids, mascots really work. Theme days really, really work. I would be rearranging the county championship season so you had rivalry week where everybody played their local rival. Re readjusting the schedule so you played your as close to your local rival. You know, I would have made the Bob Willis Trophy game, for example, a uh, if we if you wanted to play that final, that traditional final. I would play it at Arundel and I would play, I would make it a high class event, mm. high class, you know, almost a, a dinner jacket job. I know it's in the day, but you know, a version of Ascot, our version of Ascot. Okay. That's what I would make it. I would make it a hot ticket with a brand, with a different feeling around it. So, you know, lifting the brand of County cricket, making it better, making it more easily understood, but creating relationships, but also understanding that you've got to talk in different voices to different audiences. You know, you and I, we get the county cricket commentators because they're they're and they're crucial, right? Because they, they gain that, um, uh, that, that, that uh, um, daily relationship. And if you look at what TMS used to do with community, you know, people sending Jonna's cakes was part of the show. Yeah. Henry Blowfield describing the omnibus going down the street and the pigeons was part of it. 
That is that is community. That is you know, reading out letters is part of creating community. And you know, the emails that, that that they do are fantastic, but you need to do that, you know, a million times. You know, to, to the way you can change cultures um, is to a get everyone out and start again, or do a million small things over a long period of time and invest in it. And that's where a little bit of money comes in, Mr. ECB. <laughs> it's a good point, um, because I think particularly when you watch Test Match cricket on the TV, the fun's gone from it, um, particularly with the departure of, uh, of Bumble. Uh, the others that continue and have been doing it for a long while, and I'm not demeaning their, their, their position at all, but it's very po-faced these days. It's very serious. It's very analytical, very technical. Um, there isn't the colourful portraiture going on uh, from the John Arlott's, from the Jim Lakers, from the Richie Benno's even. Um, so maybe that's that's part of it, because the, the thing that's always levelled, whenever you talk to any, you know, sports fan, if you mention cricket, they'll just go how you know about how boring it is. And if you don't make it interesting in terms of creating colour, um, creating images, creating an atmosphere, then you're only going to underline that uh, that view. Yeah, but cricket's Shakespeare, right? Cricket's Shakespeare. Cricket is a play. Cricket is a nuanced play. A five-day test or a four-day championship game is is nuanced. There's little play, little dramas within dramas. There's there's seeing off the new ball. The ball goes soft. Um, then the spinner. Then the backup. Seamers come on, then spinners come on, then you're thinking about the other new ball, then there's bonus points. People have to understand these little dramas yeah. that go on. Little and and they are aware of these little dramas if you're in the know. You know, the amount of people that switched over to the Gloucester North Hans game in the championship because it was a really tight finish. Um, they were um North Hans were eight down with about 10 balls to go. And even, yeah. I mean, the, Le the Leicester game was even better with Hassan Azad uh, batting all day. And I think the ninth wicket stand was 90 minutes, wasn't it? Or something That's like right, that. yeah. That was, um, it was, there was some, some really good stuff going on, despite, I mean, if you just look down the column, it'll, you know, you have draw after draw after draw. But uh, the manner of some of those draws was uh, was quite exciting, as you say. Um, but but, it, it, but if, if you understand that, you understand how important it is. And that's why it's nuanced. And that's why that level of understanding that you need to get across to people is really important. So, you know, if I was CEO of a county, I'd be sending out my players to schools, to clubs, but certainly to schools to get them in, to make them uh, interested in the game in an organised way. Yeah, Barry Hearn said uh, if, quite an if interesting... If anyone wants to give me a job, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Now, Barry Hearn said something similar when we had him on, it was a couple of years ago now, I think just as the pandemic hit, but, um, you know, I asked him because he's, you know, what he's done with, the, you know, the most boring of games, you know, snooker, darts, and turn them into complete rock and roll. And um, he sort of was a bit regretful that he he missed the missed the opportunity with T20. Um, and without sort of going into it, how he would have done it, but he did say, you know, you could uh, take the... England test team and walk them down Brentwood High Street and no one would bother them. And that irked him. Yes. Um, I mean, Matchroom are a great Essex success story because they've taken what are the lesser sports and, and turned them into uh, fantastic successes. If you look at darts, 
snooker he's done twice. I mean, the darts is is one of Sky's uh, after football. I think it's its most watched sport above cricket. You know, sure. it and it's and their events and they're fun and they're different. Now you're going for you could argue that that you're going for the T20 crowd there because mm. it's it's beer and fun based. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's there's nothing wrong with that if it's marketed and organised the right way. I, I mean, when I I did a podcast with Barry Hearn as well, I went to um, to Brentwood to go go and see him, and he was he was he was not a fa- in favour of the of the hundred because of the um, uh, the loss of tradition and the 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 anti feeling that would su- would surround it. Um, but one thing they're brilliant at, I mean, especially matching with regard to um, uh, boxing is they think about building the fighter over a long period of time. You know, if a boxer's got a title fight coming up and there's a possible contender, they'll be at ringside when they're when their possible opponent is fighting and they'll get them in the ring and they'll be building them up. And also their access for YouTube channels uh, on on boxing has been brilliant. I mean Eddie Hearn is doing hour long interviews where he's telling you absolutely everything and it's as raw as hell. It's as it's it's um it's very uh un unpolished, unfiltered, but that's what works these days. I would love to run, and I thought about it, a, a cricket YouTube chat channel that interviewed players after games. The trouble is boxers need to promote their fights, otherwise they don't get paid. Cricketers can hide behind a whole media team and whole sort of uh governance structure that doesn't want to do the things that promote sport in the modern age which is create attention be slightly controversial be full of character be full of color and say different things all right so kind of uh, bring this to a some kind of a logical conclusion um i just want to bring it back to what happened uh in the county games uh, this last week um, we've talked about the batters uh, racking up lots of runs. Uh, one thing that I saw a tweet where someone picked up on the fact the fact that there were a lot of bowlers missing. Now, obviously, Broad and Anderson, we might, maybe we'll talk about that in a second, but the list that this tweeter gave, Shaheen Afridi, Simon Harmer, Anderson Broad, of course, Ball, uh, Worrell, Craig Overton, Leach, Wokes, Saqib, Willie, Jordan, Wood, and I suspect there were more as well. But um, what do you think about that? What do you think about the, all these guys missing at, the, at this stage of the season? Well, uh, Somerset had eight injuries, and I think they requested Leach and Overton got turned down, and they're actually going to be in for the game against Essex coming up. So I think that, that um, from what I understand, that, um, that's been okayed. Um, and some of the other ones would have been um, international based. And uh, didn't Stuart Broad take himself out saying he's resting himself for the tests in the summer, which is a little bit. <laughs> You've got to love Stuart Broad doing that. Um, as for the rest of them, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I mean, what was, what was indicative in the games as they played out is, um, the games where there was going to be no result, clearly, because of the high scores in the first innings, the pace bowlers basically dropped out of the game. And Lawrence bowled, I think, double. I think he did bowl 24 hours. I think that's double the amount he's ever bowled in the spell. 
and he got his best wickets, uh, his, his best figures in the championship because of that. He had a very, very long spell. And you had Rory Burns bowling with his hair flowing <laughs> at, uh, at Edgebaston. So I don't know the reason for that. Is that linked to pitches? Is that linked to injuries? Because are they managing their workload with players getting into red zones? Is the fact that it's very cold? I mean, I was at Essex when, when um, uh, no, actually, was the previous day. Denley pulled a hamstring. Yeah, right? that's Denley right. pulled a hamstring and was out for the game. It's very, very cold. Um, on pitches that were very, very flat, were they being pulled out for that reason? Was there more to it? Don't know the answer. But um, put it this way, all the environmental conditions were against pace bowlers excelling in this round of games. Um, did coaches take a view on that? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, the, 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 uh, I mean, uh, um, Abbas uh, got six wickets in the game, didn't he, at the weekend? And a certain 46-year-olds turning out of Chelmsford um, put in an astonishing economy rate of 1.88 over a 40-odd over spell, which I thought was uh, was incredible. He, people like to throw brick bats at Darren Stevens, but um, just on performance alone, you can't deny the man. In terms of, I mean, I did a podcast on my newsletter, the County Cricket Newsletter, by the way. But just put County Cricket Newsletter into Google, you'll get my newsletter. It's the only one. And I did a big podcast with a guy who looks at uh, stats. And um, Darren Stevens, in terms of uh, the stat, the statistics, is probably the second most important player in the championship his numbers stack up now you can throw brick bats at him because it's a an indication of the championship's lack of quality or you can turn around and say well look those are the conditions and he's wily enough and he keeps on adapting and he's got skills but he keeps on delivering he keeps on delivering you know um he didn't have the greatest uh, time with the ball um against essex uh, but he got a 50 <laughs> he got a 50 yeah. um he still delivers the guy still still delivers and also why can't we why can't we use him as a as a a lightning rod of praise rather than a lightning rod of negativity because you look at a player there who's wasn't much of a bowler uh in his early career and he's evolved he's changed his skills you see that i remember a player called Trevor Francis on the football pitch yeah. Was, one, was a very fast winger and went into went at Birmingham and Notts Forest and ended up at Sheffield United, you know, a decade and a half later. And he was a bit of a wily midfielder. Good players adapt and change their their abilities to, to continue to be effective. And no person has done that more than Darren Stevens. Yeah, I understand why he's considered an indication of the lack of standard in county championship, but he's very successful at what he does. And why should we not use him as someone to look up to? Because he has a very, very long career as a professional sports person. And that is really hard to do. And that should be applauded in my opinion. I remember Trevor Francis, the first million pound football player and all the vitriol that went on uh, when that happened. I think in 1979, when he moved from, was it Birmingham to Forest? Birmingham to Forest. And of course, there was huge pressure on him, but he scored the goal in the uh, European oh, Cup Malmo. final against Malmo and all the pressure came off him kind of thing. I'm not sure he quite ever lived up to his billing, 
Um, but, you know, he's just an example of a player who changed. Who yeah. changed there. And, and, and he was very clever. He's a clever, clever human being. Um, very uh, adaptable footballer with a brain. And, you know, he, he, he won things. He had success. He played for England. That's not a bad career, right? It's, it's more than you and me anyway. Put it that way. <laughs> well, listen, Richard, Even though I think my call might come. I'm not sure. I'm, think, <laughs> I'm still thinking it might come. <laughs> well, listen, don't you go changing. Um, always fantastic <laughs> to catch up. Um, we'll have to drag you back into the studio at some point over the summer. But Richard Clark, a.k.a. The Grumbler, great to see you and have you on the show. Many, many thanks. Cheers, Dad.